You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls, to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's Super Bowl week here, the big game. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Eagles by a Million Betts. I am so nervous, Kyle. I'm so terrified for what is going to come here in a couple of days. Like every night that goes by, I've been sleeping a little bit less, a little bit less. Um, Man, if this was any other team but the Chiefs, I'd feel pretty confident. How can you bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid coming off a bye? So as an Eagles fan, I am cautiously optimistic, but I can see a path where the Chiefs do win this game. Well, let me be your financial advisor uh, right now because... You said, how could I bet against them? You can bet for the Chiefs to hedge yourself emotionally, and then you can explain to your family why the entire time throughout the game you were rooting secretly for the Chiefs. You're pumping your fist every single time something good happens with the Eagles, but secretly you're telling Monica, hey, by the way, I'm going to get a nice little nest egg because I just put everything on the Chiefs' money line. No, no, no. That's a poor move from a betting standpoint, Kyle. We talked about this last week. If you like the Chiefs, you have a Patrick oh. Mahomes ticket for MVP, which I do have, just in case. So that's where I'm at emotionally. Either way, I will be happy and sad all at the same time. Well, I'm ready to flush the money down the toilet along with the rest of our listeners when we that's do this, Noah Gray. That's what this podcast is all about, baby. <laughs> Noah Gray, anytime touchdown scorer. Or, dare I say, Noah Gray, first touchdown. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, in the article, by the way, on the site, if you're in the DFS Pass, uh, we have some of our, our best bets, you know, some that we actually like really believe in. 
And uh, then we have some fun long shots because this is the Super Bowl, man. It's time to get weird, have some fun. We'll give a couple of those on today's show as well. But yeah, Kyle is on Noah Gray anytime touchdown score if you want to take out a loan and, and get you know one of Kyle's stone cold locks of the week. Noah Gray, find in the end zone. Noah the Great, as we uh, as we call him. Um, yeah, there's there's some fun ones out there. I know I some people in the industry were doing some deep dive on the Gatorade, the Gatorade bath, and uh, if you can get blue at you know plus 400 plus 500 like that some pretty good odds um if you wanted to go there red's a dark horse in my opinion but uh gatorade bath man what an inside job that is if you really wanted to get that info of who's mixing the gatorade like why would you not just give that info out if you're the person mixing it i I, like how are you not just giving that to other people Oh, dude, if I was on the staff and I was in charge of mixing the Gatorade, I would be giving that information to no one. And I would be playing, placing a heavy wager on the correct color um, if I was on the Chiefs or the Eagles side there. So, yes, whoever has that insider information, they don't know how important they are to this week. But that person has an extremely important role in this Super Bowl here. Yeah, no, it, there's a couple other fun ones that you can throw out. Um, but the Gatorade one definitely interests me. Let's just first talk about our schedule because this is kind of like you know it's the end of of summer camp it's the end of school year and you're seeing all your friends you're writing in your yearbook you're telling everybody hags you know have a great summer i'll see you later (laughs) i'll I'll talk to you later online right like what's your aim screen name we'll talk later what's your what's your discord handle we'll we'll chat soon (laughs) (laughs) because bets and i are taking a short break um this is the off season for us. We just are finishing up a lot of DFS, but also dynasty content for the ultimate draft kit plus, which goes live on super bowl Sunday. So we have been hard at work in lots of different areas, but the podcast, the DFS podcast, I know you're sad too. We will take a break until the very beginning of April. So really it's like a month and a half. That's it. And that's only for us to get ready for ultimate draft kit season. You and I do a lot of prospect profiles for the footballers And then starting in April, we kick back up our content. We do NFL draft, go through those props. You and I do a mock draft. Uh, We've had a lot of success. Last year was even better than the year before. May, we do team projections and then start getting into the summer of best ball, which is the good stuff for people. Our best ball rankings or best ball primer that comes out in June. And then August is the season where people sign up again and say, hey, it's DFS. We talk about that all over again. So I want to ask you, during your short little reprieve from this podcast one who are you going to talk to i mean are you, are you going to even message me at all are you going to ghost me and then two what's your favorite part of what we have coming up in the quote-unquote off season uh to answer your first question monday after the super bowl when we are officially on our reprieve here of the podcast monday morning you're going to get a message from me <laughs> it's either going to be very happy or very sad but you will hear from me on monday kyle and you will hear from me every day for the next six weeks you're until we are back to me during the super bowl <laughs> let's be honest you're going to text me during the super bowl i might have to just throw my phone like in the couch cushion and just not look at anything but um yeah but my favorite part of kind of our hitting the reset button here looking towards the off season i actually love doing team projections and forecasting it's one of my favorite times of the year because there's so much that you are digesting from an information standpoint on what do these teams do in the off season their salary cap situation. What are they doing free agency? Uh, their draft picks. How does that shape things? And how does it look for the season? And some of those win total shows, those MVP markets, stuff like that. That to me is kind of a, a secret passion of mine that I really like. We put on a couple of fun ones throughout the years. So that's just a time to kind of get ready for the NFL season. And we've said all along, like if you're starting that process, 
in May and June, by the time August and September gets here, you're going to be ready to go. Yeah, there's there's so many different aspects of fantasy football that if you want to, you can go down a deep rabbit hole. And I would say that last year, the year before, when you and I started taking the time during May, where, hey, we're not talking about DFS in May because uh, I guess you can get on your you know, NBA or <laughs> MLB DFS. That's fine. But for us, it's projecting teams forward. And if you can actually do this correctly – or at least give yourself, you can have an edge in best ball. You can have your edge in redraft and dynasty and in the betting market. So this was easily our best year for win totals. I would say you and I just completely crushed on what we gave on the website, but also just personally, like I was, it was great for me at the end of the year. Um, so team projections, my favorite, but best ball is its own animal because every single person I know that plays best ball, they don't just draft once. They don't just draft a couple times. They are in deep, and their significant others are asking, why is it that it is mid-June and you are stuck on your phone for a football draft? <laughs> yes, if that is you, uh, welcome. This is the right place. You're, you're in the right place. You're one of us. Um, it's so funny. I remember last summer, we had just had the twins uh, in June, but I remember like when I was on a little bit of a, a you know paternity leave, for a few weeks afterwards, my wife would be like, what are you doing on your phone at 4 o'clock in the morning? It's like... Well, we don't have anything else to do, and uh, I'm drafting a fantasy team. She's like, what are you doing at 4 in the morning drafting a fantasy team? You're supposed to be watching our daughters. So if you want to know where I'll be this summer, <laughs> that is where I'll be. And I have said many times, the best places to draft your best ball teams. You're on a car ride, or, you know, a long trip, the deck with the nice coffee in the summer. I mean, a, a nice adult beverage in the evening. It's just no no better feeling than the summer of best ball. So, so we love it. Yeah, I think I like the casual nature of of being able to draft as you're doing life in the summer. So, you know, with my family, with my kids, uh, my wife's a teacher, so she's off for the summer. Uh, it's drafting with the family. That's really what we're going to brand best ball this next year. Is it's, <laughs> it fits your family's needs and your family's bank accounts. Probably not. But uh, so, yeah, we're taking a little break uh, until April. We'll still be, you know, on Twitter. We're still going to be, you and I are going to be heavily into rookies over the next, you know, month just doing film breakdowns. You, you know, I know you bets. You're just going to be grinding the tape. You're going to be looking at Syracuse football, Sean Tucker tape. Oh my gosh. You name it. If there's a prospect in this class, I'm watching all their tape. Okay. We're going back to college, high school, even peewee football, just to make sure we don't leave any stone unturned for our rookie drafts. I love, so I, I kind of take most of the rookie quarterback uh, profile and I would just say that's just one of my favorite things to pick apart rookie quarterbacks and kind of say like here's a projection of what people think they're going to be here's what they can and can't do so i i like this season it's just a different reprieve all of our picks are in the dfs pass for super bowl uh it's there it's still free so if you're like ah, i haven't got the dfs pass well it's still free you can still get it for a little while um and pace of play is out all of our you know our rankings even our special roster percentage report which shows our captain percentage and our flex percentage projections for rosters that's really key. We're going to be talking about some of those on this episode. And I would say if you're going to the Super Bowl and don't have any idea about roster percentage, you are playing naked and blind, which is two things you don't want to do it, right? You don't want that combo. That is that is not what you want to do. If you want to explain to your significant other, honey, I've been playing DFS blind and naked <laughs> for so long. They will not be impressed at all. So go to DFSPass.com if you want to be a part of that. And let's talk about this game. 
State of the Main Slate. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this game, because you and I are going to talk about it from every single angle, let's talk about general strategy points for the Super Bowl. And I think our listeners, maybe even me, maybe you need to talk me into this, of just contest selection. How are you personally handling this from your bankroll and for which contest you want to play? Because I'm not playing any cash. Yeah, for me, I've never really been a showdown cash type of player. I just don't think there's as much of an edge because we've said this on the show many times before um, when we reference these single game slates or even the two or three game slates, the smaller the slate is, the more variance you want to embrace because what it really takes to take down some of these tournaments is some weird stuff, uh, which is why I think having a quote-unquote football guy take for a lot of this stuff is less important than it is on a main slate where you have 10, 11, 12 games to really kind of sift through the information and get the best plays. There are going to be some random touchdowns scored in this game. And if you don't have that guy, it's very tough to win the lottos, the Millie makers, stuff like that. But you would never be excited about playing the Eagles third string tight end, right? So I just don't think there's as much of an edge in trying to identify the best plays. What I do think there is an edge in, however, is contest selection. And there's going to be a lot of people wanting to throw a ton of money into like these Millie makers and these huge, huge, huge fields. That's just not me as far as what I like to do from a bankroll management standpoint, from a uh, likely to profit standpoint, because the nice thing about those tournaments is they're very top heavy, but if you get up there, you're going to be duplicated, right? So you might be splitting a ton of money, but with like a hundred other people. And so it's not as, as big as you think. So I like the small field stuff. Uh, mid stakes for me to kind of see if I can kind of uh, differentiate enough, but still play some good correlated lineups. Whereas truthfully, it really does feel like in these large field lottos, like anything goes and you can make an argument for it no matter what and say, Hey, this is a tournament take that I think this is going to happen. There's just not as much edge there. I think it's a lot of randomness. So if you are that type of player, that's totally fine. Just know that if you are going to be doing that, entering those Millie makers, you got to get weird. Otherwise you're going to be stuck with the field. Yeah. We talked last week about how, salary correlates to lineups being duplicated and i was building lineups today like like before the show like i was like okay we've got our notes you know we talked about pace of play you and i have some really good props we're going to talk about i was like when i'm creating combinations and i'm adding up the roster percentage like how weird is this lineup because you're gonna find that players you think are i don't know like okay this is a fringe play like a noah gray i've mentioned him a lot salary wise he works with a lot of different builds like if you're playing, let's say, uh, Travis Kelsey or Mahomes at captain, and then you're also adding in Jalen Hurts, like those three players are accounting for 35, 40% of your salary. And it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, you're just going to end up stuffing a bunch of players in there that are super cheap and everybody's going to have them in their lineup. So keep that in mind. Like, don't just think here's a weird player. Everybody has the same, you know, pool of players. And there's a lot of players we're just going to exit out because it's like, that guy's going to be inactive. That guy, <laughs> Melvin Gordon, dude hasn't seen a snap as the chief. Like, that's not, like, you can just take out a lot of people. So keep that in mind as you're building. I know for me, I play mostly large field uh, in this format. Like, it's just, I'm going to do the 20 max. I'm going to play a couple of Millie Maker just because it's fun. And then the rest is going to be on our giant parlay, right? Parlay for the win at the end of the show today. Uh, I mean, <laughs> stick around. I mean, there's good stuff at the very end. Yeah, don't fast forward. Whatever you do, you got to listen to everything first. Yeah, and if you want to slow it down, I mean, take us to half speed. We'll really <laughs> slow things down for you. Um, all right, let's talk about this game. The line is at Philly 
Minus one and a half. The over-under is at 51. I've seen some 51 and a halfs. That gives Philly an implied team total of 26. Kansas City of 24 and a half. Uh, it's kind of gone back and forth depending on where you're looking in terms of team implied total. Everything says it's going to be a close game. Everything we've seen about Chiefs games have been a close game. So any changes about what you've thought about the line? Because you and I liked the under earlier in the week. Yeah, and I still lean that way. But I mean, at this point, I don't see too much of an edge in either. The line hasn't moved in over a week, which means the books feel very good about where it's at, which means I have no idea if it's a good line or not or where I would go with it. But from a DFS standpoint, if you're talking about how you build on showdown, we often talk a lot about uh, roster construction and correlating it with the Vegas line, meaning we've seen these Thursday night games, even Sunday night games sometimes, where the line is, you know, six, six and a half, seven, uh, upwards of 10 points, like where we project maybe a blowout. I really do see this game staying pretty close. And so while I do see an edge in large field tournaments and saying, I'm going to go ultra contrarian here, no one's going to play, you know, an Eagles 5-1 onslaught build. So I'm just going to do it to get different. Like, that's fine. I just think that's very, very unlikely to happen when you consider how good these two teams are. I really do think they're the two best in football. So I do see a close game. And I, as a result, uh, I think those 1-5 or 5-1 builds are very unlikely to be optimal. Um, just given the spread. It's also hard because you know that you're going to get volume on the Kansas City side. So one of the game scripts I wrote up was Philly Onslaught. And I was trying to get to the point of with my 5-1 builds, like I'm, I have five Eagles and one Chiefs player. It's like, okay, it's really hard to say that Mahomes is just not relevant at all from a raw you know, scoring standpoint. You can cancel out some of the wide receivers if you want. If you're just like, okay, the wide receivers are, are nothing on the Kansas City side. But it's like, there's probably a chance with this team and how consistent this offense is that you need at least two players on the on the Chiefs side. So yeah, I prefer four two. Um, I did get some builds that I liked that had the Eagles winning, but I had four from the Kansas City side. So you know, Hurts at captain, and he's you know, let's say he runs one in, throws for at least one, you know, runs for like 50, 60 yards. You find the right pass catcher with him, and then you're saying Mahomes is just he is how the offense functions and you're getting there but you're probably having to fade Kelsey like it's it's totally possible to have a build where it's four Kansas City or four Eagles and they lose it's just you're asking a lot so we like the four two builds we like to build around the favorites so that's I think you and I are going to lean Eagles and I would say you've done a pretty good job of taking your fandom out yes and I will have plenty of builds in my portfolio, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like you, maybe 20 max. I haven't decided if I'm going to go 150 or not, but I'm going to definitely 20 max one of the contests on the slate. And I want to lean into like the Chiefs are a great team and, and I'm not going to you know have a bias against that. Like I definitely see a path where Mahomes comes out and goes for 303 and you're going to want some Chiefs in your, in your lineup in those scenarios. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely want to lean into that a little bit as well. And before we get into kind of the player takes specifically on this slate, just thinking about Mahomes in captain, I'm normally not a quarterback captain type of guy for these pocket passers, but one thing that I do like about Mahomes captain, he will be popular. We're projecting somewhere around like 15 to 18% in captain. But the nice thing about him is that he spreads the ball out so much. So even if you do play a quote unquote chalky uh, Mahomes captain team, you can get one or two of his pass catchers at less than 20% total roster percentage because the field doesn't know who to play. And as I've said before in Showdown, I want to lean into some uncertainty. So I do kind of like that angle just right off the bat, um, some Mahomes captain teams, because you can pair them with 
Noah Gray and Sky Moore and MBS and, and whoever you want. And, um, you know, outside of Kelsey, no one was really going to be popular. So I do like that angle. With Kansas City, let's just stay with them a little bit. But that they lead the league in no huddle rate. We know in the second half of games, even when they're leading, they're going to continue to throw. So you can lean into Mahomes and the fact that we don't know who the receiver is. But the red zone work is what I care about most because this team throws so much. They had the second most red zone targets in the NFL. Mahomes led the league by a wide margin of red zone touchdowns. So you're not just saying, okay, I need a big game from MVS like we saw on the conference championship. Or, you know, I need Juju to go six for 80 and score. Like in this format, I'm looking for who is scoring the touchdown for Kansas City. And because Mahomes spreads it out so much, you can find players that have a, you know, a simple little out at the goal line like a Noah Gray or Justin Watson or Kadarius Toney or even Isaiah Pacheco or, or McKinnon where it's like, I could see any of those guys scoring a short bunny touchdown, especially if the Eagles are going to focus in on Travis Kelsey. So to me, this game is won by picking the right Chiefs red zone weapon that scores a touchdown, but I don't know who that is. <laughs> that's the case week in and week out on the show is we think and feel pretty confident Mahomes will find success but figuring out who it is it leads to uncertainty and I think Kyle's angle last week was awesome where he said look all we've been saying on this podcast and people have been saying for weeks is MBS has been irrelevant literally just out there running around no one wanted to play him but we know any of these guys can pop up any week so I'm going to be using the roster percentage report that we have in the DFS pass to try to identify some of these guys that will come in, I think, under-rostered by the field and, and going with them. So I do like that angle quite a bit. Just lean into the uncertainty with the pass catchers because, again, when you're thinking about large field lottos, roster percentages mean a lot to how your team does. If you hit on the right guy, you will win. Uh, you know, Your payout will be more than, than kind of your median outcome, if that makes sense. Do we have an update on Juju Smith-Schuster? Because he's cheaper than MVS. And my contrarian self says, oh, I was on MVS when it was, wasn't cool. Now his rush percentage might be a lot more than it was before. And it makes me want to lean the other way. So do we have an update on Juju and his knee? Yes. Everything that I've like heard and read about it is that it's more of a pain tolerance sort of issue. There's not really any structural injury going on. And so, you know, he has two weeks off getting treatment around the clock. I'm sure. I think we should largely approach Juju as if he'll be mostly fine in this game and he is practicing in full. So I think all signs do point to that. And just in general, I, my kind of take, I know we have in the doc here, some roster percentage projections um, for Juju. I have down somewhere around like 28 to 33. We're going to get that hammered out by the time the show is out on Friday. But if he's going to be around 30%, that feels high to me. Don't you think like, I feel like it's going to come in less than that just because people love uh, Kadarius Tony. They've been talking themselves into him week in and week out. MBS just had a huge game. So I could see Juju coming in lower than that. And if that is the case, he's a guy that I'd be uh, decently interested in as part of a stack with Mahomes. I could see him a little lower, like 25%. And sure. with that, he's inching very close to where some of my numbers for MVS because I think MVS will be... Like when I ran some optimals earlier, it seemed like MVS was showing up more than I would think for a player that has very fragile projections. Like we've seen his entire career... I remember when we did our off-season uh, free agency episodes, it was something like MVS has been a top 36 wide receiver like 20% of the time. Like it's so low that you're getting something from him other than a big boom game that is down the field. And so you have to ask yourself, where is Philly giving it up? 
Um, I know Avante Maddox is back, but the slot position has kind of been the place where you attack them because Darius Slay and, you know, James Bradbury, like they're big corners. Jason had a pretty interesting take in the office. I don't think I ran this by you, but he thinks that the Eagles should just bracket Kelsey with James Bradbury, who's a big corner. And instead of just, you know, saying, hey, let's get linebackers to cover this guy, they're not going to be able to do it. So it that's a, you know, hand in the dirt kind of take, but I think it makes sense. Oh, it definitely makes sense. And I think if I'm the Eagles, I'm saying, let's make someone else not name Travis Kelsey beat us. And if they beat us, so be it um, sort of thing. So yeah. And to speak to Avante Maddox too, like I know he's back, he's still not anywhere close to hundred percent. So I feel more confident that the kind of best quote unquote play from a football guy take standpoint is some of these guys that are going to run the routes over the middle of the field, Juju, Kelsey, you know, Kadarius, Tony with the gadget stuff, stuff like that. Um, man, he's burned me so many times. I'm going to have a pretty decent fade on MVS in this spot. I just, I can't really see him having a ton of success, especially after he did it last week. We know how boom bust he is. These corners for Philly are awesome. And, and if they do kind of just say, okay, let's put Slay on him in one-on-one coverage. And, you know, I'll bet on Darius Slay over MBS most weeks. Now, granted, I'm going to play a ton of lineups. So I will have a little bit, but looking at his total roster percentage projection around 20%, I am definitely going to be coming in under, under the field on that one. Yeah, I'll be underweight. I will probably be overweight on Juju. Uh, from just one, $600 cheaper. That shocked me the first time I saw it. Like, Juju's been way better in PPR formats the entire year. And it wouldn't shock me if, if Juju had as many catches as Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown, like just from a reception. So you're getting a huge discount in points per dollar. I think Juju is a, a really good play, uh, and we like the matchup too. So let's keep going on the Kansas city wide receivers and just talk about those other ones. And we'll, we'll talk about the Kansas city side and then we'll get to Philly, but these other wide receivers. Cause once again, if you figure out the Kansas city wide receiver roulette between these five or six guys, I feel like you will come out really well on the slate. So do you have any certain takes on the Kadarius, Tony, Nicole Hardman, Justin Watson, Dwayne Bowes of the world? Well, Michael Hardman is out. So I would strongly recommend not playing him on this slate if you want to have some success so he's out which kind of naturally gives Kadarius Tony more life as a uh, better play because when Nicole was back it was sort of this kind of rotation with him and I know Kadarius Tony is battling a little bit of an, uh, an ankle injury sounds like he'll be good to go so I'm not going to put too much of a dock on him from a health perspective um, and thinking about again kind of this uh, you know idea of Andy Reid more time to prepare and the Eagles being strong on the perimeter, like it makes sense to me to kind of lean into some of these guys who are going to be getting high value touches in the PPR format. So if you're playing on Fandle, like he has to score a touchdown. But if you're on DraftKings, these guys make more sense to me in Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Um, of the two, Kadarius Tony is going to be much higher rostered. Sky Moore coming in about five to ten percent. So the guys that kind of I, I want to lean into there um, in Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. And Juju, like there's three guys that have the same role. So for me, I don't have a strong take on the best play, but if I'm going to play that group, I'm going to limit it to max two of those guys, if that makes sense, because they kind of all see their targets in the same area of the field. And oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey does too. So like, can I see three of these guys and Kelsey also being optimal? I would be shocked. Yes. Also, Juju and Jarrett McKinnon operate in very similar areas. They've had a ton of negative correlation. Um, hopefully people got my Dwayne Bow joke, former uh, Chiefs great. And then uh, <laughs> I Justin, would hope so. Justin Watson, how could we not talk about him? 
I mean, what? Oh, you mean you mean the skeleton key to the slate, <laughs> dude? If we want to unlock everything, play Justin <laughs> Watson at two K. Yeah, I mean he's on the field. That's all we're asking. And Sky Moore did see more snaps. He had the big special teams play. I think that he's going to be the. I think I'm sneaky, but his roster percentage is a lot higher than people might realize because um, his floor is just doo doo. I mean, <laughs> seven targets in the uh, against the Bengals, three catches, 13 yards. Like he's his floor is just nothing. Uh, and truthfully, we haven't really seen a ceiling either, to be honest. So, yeah, he's a guy that I I kind of have a little interest in just because you know on these slates, like if they happen to return a kick for a touchdown, like a punt. Sky Moore is out there, but the probability of that is so low. And like you said, his usage last week specifically, or two weeks ago, rather in the uh, conference championship was inflated by all these injuries. Now these guys are back in the lineup. So I'll have a little Sky Moore, but certainly I'm not going to be trying to get overweight the field. All right, let's take a quick break and we will come right back. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, so that was enough Kansas City wide receiver talk. I feel like the people are like, whoa, you guys went deep into that but I think it is an important part of the slate so let's quickly talk about the Kansas City side and how you're projecting the game flow based on you know if this is a back and forth close affair which what Vegas thinks and I think is the easiest way to project this game how are you utilizing Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and then from there what do we do with the running backs so my Kelsey take and this is going to be this is going to sound kind of silly I want to embrace Kelsey's ceiling and I want to ignore his floor, if that makes sense. Because if I'm playing a Travis Kelsey captain team, I am playing him to have two plus receiving touchdowns, go for 85, 90, 100 yards, and really be the guy that you need. And I would obviously stack him with Pat Mahomes and the flex. I don't have a lot of interest personally in Travis Kelsey flex this week because it's relative to his salary. He's obviously super expensive. Um, he's the, if I'm not mistaken, third highest priced, yes, third highest uh, player on the slate behind the two quarterbacks. So when I think about that from a flex standpoint, if you're rostering him, rostering him in flex to give you, you know, six for 60, that's fine. But because he's so expensive, that likely won't be optimal. Assuming the game 
has other guys that score points. You know, Devonta Smith hits a big play. Miles Sanders gets in the end zone, that sort of stuff. So my long, long-winded way of saying this is I'm going to play some Kelsey captain. I'm not going to have a lot of him in flex personally. That's just my take on the situation. And I did want to kind of get some numbers behind this for Travis Kelsey. We gave out last week on the show an anytime touchdown. So we obviously think he's great and love his role and, and all that sort of stuff. But like you kind of said, I feel like the Eagles might just say like, hey, Kelsey beat us. We're going to bracket you. We're going to double you. We're going to play a ton of man against man coverage. Uh, the Eagles, since week 10, are playing at the ninth highest rate in football. Travis Kelsey's numbers, they're good no matter what, but his elite numbers have come against zone versus man. And I'm not saying Travis Kelsey can't have a great game. That is not what I'm saying at all. I just think if the field wants to push him up in roster percentage, I'm happy to either match it or come in just a little under. Yeah, I, my take is to be under, and that's maybe that's my contrarian way. But yeah, I, He could bury us, for sure. Oh, for sure. He's buried me so much the last six years, basically. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of Kelsey, but I, I like the take because what you're saying at 10, what is he? 10, six for the salary. You, you need an elite game because there's lots of other players that can compete. Like I, I think Juju points per dollar is right there and I'd feel totally fine playing Juju, you know, below six K. If you're playing Patrick Mahomes at captain, then yeah, like the, you can flex him. That's totally fine. I'm, I'm fine with that there because what you're saying is, Mahomes gets there and their correlation is so strong that you're just going to do it. But I'd rather be underweight the field, uh, especially, you know, if I'm, if the field is going to like him this much, I, I, I think it's a bit shocking to me looking at the roster percentages with Kelsey and saying, oh, I get, but this isn't Cooper Cup. Like this isn't the same player that we were projecting last year who was the top salary on the slate. Kelsey's a little different and... I think it's also when we look at this offense, everybody just wants to point to him as the only player, and he is, but there's so much more to gain in gaining leverage, in my opinion, in, in this type of you know large field thing that I'm playing. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you're playing small field stuff, I mean, we have in the roster percentage report, that's targeted for more the large field um, style contest on DraftKings. I could see him in, in small field. We have right now like around 50, 55%. For the large field stuff, I could see that being 70 in the small field stuff. And like Kyle's saying, sure, he probably is incredible six out of 10 times. But if he's not 40% of the time and you take an underweight stance, you have so much leverage on the field. So that's kind of our game theory approach, I think, to Kelsey this week. Right. But that said, he's still a great play. What is your take on who else you're stacking Mahomes with? So can you stack him with one of those running backs? Because I would have said it's Jared McKinnon. He's got the pass catching role in lockdown. And then last week, Pacheco has a ton of snaps, runs 10 more routes than him. And now Clyde's back. Like, the running backs are not as clear as I thought. I thought it was going to be early down grinder. That's Isaiah Pacheco. And then you have Jarek McKinnon on the passing downs. That's not the case. Yeah, and there's been a little bit of conversation about Jarek McKinnon maybe having a um, an ankle issue that's been kind of limiting him as far as his role in the last couple of weeks. But this is one of those spots that I definitely want to lean into some uncertainty and potential recency bias. Specifically, last week, those 26 routes that Pacheco ran were head and shoulders, a season high for him. So we have a pretty decent sample of McKinnon being the guy. Maybe that's just me being stuck in kind of what has happened throughout the season and not adjusting enough to what has just happened to us in this last you know game or two. But if the field just wants to kind of ignore McKinnon after having four, five, six, seven weeks of him being the dude in the receiving game, if I'm stacking him specifically, 
that's where I would like to lean into that. That doesn't mean I won't have Pacheco lineups because I think there's definitely a path where he, you know, runs for a big a big gain, falls in the end zone, and he's optimal. But I think when you're thinking about stacking, I would love to create some leverage on the field with including McKinnon and not as much Pacheco in those lineups. So I think Pacheco is is one of those players like he could easily lead this slate in rushing. But like at sixty yards. Like it wouldn't shock me if he was you know, obviously more than McKinnon, more than Mahomes. And then he's right there, you know, behind Hertz and Sanders in terms of, you know, players that we can project. So I think he's a sneaky play. I think he's a sneaky player on the under. Um, I'm I'm interested in, in what he can do. I think you can do a build where you're saying if this game hits the under, you can stack Kelsey and Pacheco together and say that's the Kansas City side that you need. You avoid Mahomes and you get a touchdown on the ground. Um, but I... I, I it shocked me that I was in Pacheco because I've been all I was off him during redraft, definitely off in best ball, and pretty much off. But I think he's a, a sneaky player on the slate. Um, anything else in the Kansas City side that you think we need to address? I don't think so. I think we touched on pretty much everyone that's relevant there. I'll throw out something on Butker because I got to give a kicker take, right? Oh, please! Like if this game hits the under and Mahomes isn't, you know, throwing three touchdowns two, three touchdowns, then Butker is in play. His salary at 4K says that he's fine. Like, you know, you can get some PPR goodness from some other players right around there. But if Butker kicks three field goals, I wrote this up, he becomes not just like a solid play, but potentially an optimal play if this game hits the under because you're getting three field goals. And let's say that, you know, the Chiefs score just one other touchdown or two. Like he's somebody that I would say as a flex becomes more and more interesting but I'm not chasing him. If you think that the Chiefs are chasing in this game, they're going to forego field goals. Like, I don't want that at all. So, Butker's fine. I prefer him over Elliott. We already took an under on Elliott. But, uh, yeah, if the game fails, I'm into Butker. Okay. Now we're talking. Dude, I just I needed to give at least one kicker take because the people are there. And then, oh, Kansas City defense. I feel like they're not as... They're not going to be as popular as you think. So it's more of a deep contrarian play at this point. Yeah. And, you know, defense scoring, we always talk about is, is pretty random. Um, but looking at some of the football guy stuff, the Eagles offensive line, man, has just been incredible in both phases, uh, run blocking and pass blocking. They're PFF's number one unit in pass blocking. And outside of um, their interior on Kansas City's defense, they really haven't been able to generate a ton of pressure. So sure, anything can happen. Strip sack, you know, pick six, whatever, but I'm not going to have a ton of, of chiefs DST in my portfolio. All right. Let's talk about the Eagles. Um, the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Hey, you heard it first here. No one else has mentioned that except for bets. Uh, no. so Eagles, we've talked about it. I feel like the last month, all of the playoffs is that they get off to a fast start. Um, their point differential in the first half was the best in the NFL. And you can create game scripts where you're saying Philly gets out to a lead early and then Mahomes comes back. But I think Jalen Hurts, as captain, is the strongest play on this slate to me. From an optimal standpoint, yes. I would agree. Because they're the biggest favorite. They have the highest team total. And he has the best combination of things you're looking for in fantasy. He can run. He has the goal line role. His offensive line is incredible, and he has three guys named A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard catching the football. So 
yes, uh, if I'm playing cash games, which again, I'm not, but if you are out there, to me, I'd be putting Jalen Hurts in my captain spot. Hurts this year has averaged three design runs and three scrambles per game. So that in itself is so valuable when you're projecting and you're asking yourself, you know, what makes this guy truly special? They lead the league in yards before contact. You talked about, uh, you know, how awesome the offensive line is. So we like Hurts. With Hurts and how we stack, normally we skinny stack, but we can just throw out a lot of our rules and just look at this game, one game. If you're playing Hurts as captain, do you have any certain takes of what you're doing? And with that, are you going four Eagles, two Chiefs in that situation? Um, not necessarily, but I do think that because if you do, let's say you two four with two Eagles and Hertz is one of your guys, especially in captain, like he can still, you know, he can run in for two and he could throw one to Goddard or someone like that. And that's kind of what you need. No one else gets there. And then on the other side, like Mahomes throws so much volume, they get behind that a lot of his guys that are cheaper in PPR formats can also be in the optimal lineup. So I don't think you have to have that rule, but I think it makes sense. Um, and just real quick before we move on from the rushing stuff. There's been a lot of questions about the shoulder. The numbers still say the Eagles are not concerned about Jalen Hurts' shoulder. He has 18 design runs to the first two playoff games. And I say playoff games with an asterisk because they've only played two halves of football with Jalen Hurts actually having to be the quarterback. Think about the San Francisco game. The game was over when they had the quarterback injuries for Brock Purdy. And then the Giants game was over in the second quarter. Still 18 design runs in two playoff games. If they have any concern about the shoulder, they're going to say, Jalen... Let's figure it out in this offseason. It's the Super Bowl. Let's have you. I want to lean into that a lot in this game if the field is worried about it. And from week nine on, we talked about this with Joe Burrow a couple weeks ago. Only the Lions allowed more quarterback rushing yards than the Chiefs. So I am very much in on Jalen Hurts and his rushing ceiling. So I like that. That's the optimal way to play it, stacking him with one guy. But I think the field is going to also do that. And so I will have a lot of Jalen Hurts captain. One way I think you can get leverage on this is saying, look, we've seen the Eagles be very pass heavy especially early in games opponents throwing against the chiefs the highest rate in football because you have to throw against Mahomes. the chiefs are, are the eagles excuse me are very analytically smart they know this and they're going to go for it on fourth down and do all these things so if they just say let's throw a lot in this game because it's Mahomes on the other side a contrarian way to play it is let's stack jalen hurts with two guys instead of one or heck even three and maybe he throws for three scores and they go to different guys so if you're playing large field stuff i kind of like the um the multiple stacking partners with Jalen Hurts, where normally we would say just stack them with one. I just got really jealous of where your team is at compared to mine. <laughs> and in the sense of your team is smart, they've made good decisions, they go for it, they're fun. It's just, uh, I believe that, what, what did you say earlier about the Falcons? How long they have to compete? <laughs> Kyle and I were talking before we hit record, and I was like, he's, he's giving me a hard time because I'm wearing an Eagle shirt right now. And I was like, you know what, Kyle? It feels like the Falcons might be 20 years away from actually being in contention for anything at this point. And he couldn't disagree. So I think that tells you a lot. It's it's how I want to raise my grandkids with that hope. You know, just my kids are grown up and say, hey, I've been through a lot. And you know what? You've got something to look forward to. Um, let me add this about Jalen Hurts because I feel like we've shared this piece of information so much about how the Chiefs give up receptions to the running back position at a, the highest rate in football, right? That's why you were on Samaje Pirine in the championship game. It's like, okay, this is a part that you can attack. But then I look and see Jalen Hurts targets the running back position 12% of the time, tied for worst in the NFL. 
Can somebody like Kenneth Gainwell catch two or three passes? Sure. But I'm just going to lean heavily into one of those wide receiver ones. And I, I use that phrase because it's one of them. And I might go back to A.J. Brown or am I just like a stubborn, stubborn man for just saying he's my slate breaker three weeks in a row? <laughs> you know, what's funny about the, the kind of back and forth thing is like you could see either one being optimal. And again, this is an area of uncertainty and I love uncertainty in showdown because the field doesn't know what to do. They almost get like paralyzed and just like skip the position or something. But I'm going to take some shots on both these guys and captain. I think they're totally fine in flex as well if you're stacking with, with Jalen Hurts. Um, I kind of lean A.J. Brown just because the Chiefs, um, you know, we've talked about it with Jamar Chase all across the season. They were 31st in DVOA against wide receiver ones. You could say Philly has two wide receiver ones and that doesn't matter. But I think about A.J. Brown's huge games. You know, it's these deep bombs. It's the the 30-yard touchdown. Like, it's the explosive play. Not that Devonta Smith can't do that. He can. It's just that Devonta Smith has been more, I think, volume-based than A.J. Brown. But think about last week, Kyle, or two weeks ago, against the Niners, you and I were texting in the first quarter. We were like, oh, the A.J. Brown thing is happening. Like, they were running screens, slants, easy stuff to get the ball in his hands. I kind of want to go right back to it because we didn't get to see it with the game script that got out of hand. Again, I think the game stays close. So I am with you. I definitely like A.J. Brown on the slate. The last time we saw A.J. Brown against these Chiefs, now granted he was wearing a different jersey. He was a Titan. He went 8 for 133-1. and one. I just like seeing that. At least that that was in this bag against this team. Um, yeah, I'm leaning more into A.J. Brown this week. But talk to me about Dallas Goddard because that's kind of like what you need to tell yourself a story. Like if the running backs don't catch a ton of passes here, it's probably because Dallas Goddard is involved. And he's just been so rock solid consistent. Like when I was adding up, you know, my projections and adding up just my targets, like, okay, here's my projectable targets. I was like, Dallas Goddard feels almost as safe as Juju. And, you know, you're, you're getting him around the same price. Like I think Dallas Goddard is a high floor. The question is what kind of ceiling are you going to get? Because you know that Kelsey has a much bigger ceiling uh, in this game. So I, Talk me into Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I'm pretty into him in this spot. You know, 6,400 for a flex is really enticing. He's cheaper than all the running backs on the slate. He's kind of priced right next to MVS. We already talked about maybe having a fade on him. Uh, you mentioned maybe as safe as Juju. I think he's safer. Juju has had a pretty low floor recently. So I kind of like Dallas Goddard. And, you know, specifically with the Chiefs, again, they've been giving up more production across the middle of the field. Um, they are one of the worst teams in terms of EPA. Passes that go in between the numbers, a.k.a. in the middle of the field. That's where Dallas Goddard is going to do his damage. So I kind of like leaning into a Dallas Goddard stack here with uh, with Jalen Hurts, especially to get leverage on the wide receivers who are going to be more popular and to get leverage on some guys in his price range. Again, uh, Juju, MBS. So I am very much into Dallas Goddard in the spot. Can I talk you into Quez Watkins? Because No. Okay. Can you hear me out, though? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Okay, so Quez Watkins... Plays for the Eagles, in case you didn't know. Um, this is a take mostly on salary for a player that's getting almost 60% of snaps. Like, I don't know why they priced him that far down at 1400 That, to me, is a... He catches one or two balls, and he can become somebody that kind of unlocks the lineup. Like, everybody else in that range, and him, him included, can airball. Completely airball. But why is he not priced the same as, like, Sky Moore? That, that that troubled me. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a pricing thing. Like if if DraftKings just said we don't know what's going on with the wide receivers in Kansas City, let's not leave a guy that's priced at a thousand who might be out there for every single play right. because of all the injuries that are happening. But yeah, I, I see the point with it. You know, Quez Watkins, what you need or what you're chasing is the Vikings game where he had a couple targets and he caught one of them for like 60 yards and that catch was a touchdown. So it's a very thin play. Obviously, he's priced because of that. I'm just, you know, like looking at the roster percentage, because he's so cheap, I could see, you know, we have it like 13 to 16%. If it comes in anywhere close to 20%, that would feel like an incredible fade on the slate. Looking at the numbers, when Dallas Goddard has been healthy and when he's been out of the lineup, the splits are drastic for Quez Watkins. With Dallas Goddard, he's averaging two targets a game. He's averaging one catch. I would like to bet that that's not going to be a 60-yard touchdown, and if it is, so be it. Um, again, if he was going to come in at like 5%, I would love Quez Watkins. If he's going to come in at 15 to 20, that feels like one of the better fades on the slate. I, I don't mind 15% on this slate, like at all. You it, are a sick individual, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind that because you're going to have the Noah Grays. Sky Moore is going to be 10%, I think. I think that Probably. He, he's going to be in the same realm. And the price difference in that affords me to do so many different things in my lineup. So, Quez Watkins, 15%. I don't mind it. People are going to be playing Boston Scott on this slate. Yeah, we should talk about the Philly running backs uh, next. Oh, I was going to go into a really long thing about Quez Watkins and who he is, his person. You know, all right, let's college tape. Yeah, Clemson, <laughs> right? Uh, no, Southern Miss, I think. <laughs> Dang it. I'm going Sammy Watkins in my head. Go for it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's move on to the running backs here. Um, so you mentioned the Kenneth Gainwell stuff. I think one of the better edges on the slate, this could look really bad and sound silly, but I don't know if you've been consuming other con- content this week, Kyle, or if you listen to other shows, going on Twitter, reading articles. Everyone is talking about this Eagles backfield on the committee and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott coming in for a touchdown. I would love 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 to fade that narrative and hopefully be right on this it could be wrong but looking at the last couple of weeks again we've talked about already the Niners game was over in the second quarter so was the Giants game of course they're going to save their starting running back for when it matters most and not jam 20 carries to Miles Sanders when the game is over they put in these guys the numbers across the entire season tell the story in 16 games where all three running backs have been healthy Miles Sanders has had 77 percent of the running back touches in the first quarter, a.k.a. their plan is to give Miles Sanders the ball. They just haven't had to play second halves all year. So, of course, why wouldn't you put Boston Scott in the game? 79% of the running back rush share has gone to Miles Sanders when Philly has been up by seven or fewer points. So it's a one-score game, or they've been trilling this year. A.k.a. if this game is close, Miles Sanders is getting the ball. I would love to lean into that. His roster percentage is coming super low, 4 to 7% in captain feels like one of the better plays on the slate and like you said because Jalen Hurts doesn't throw to the running back position very much Kenneth Gamewell and Boston Scott have to score a touchdown to be optimal Sanders is hard and the reason why I was on him is because his roster percentage was very low people looked at the matchup in the NFC title game and said it's tough 49ers defense it's not going to work he gets the end zone twice they blow them out though they blow them out and he's and he was optimal so Sanders is an all or nothing. I think if you have certain builds where you're saying the Eagles put up a ton and this game is a back and forth, I don't think he's necessary. Uh, But yeah, you just have to think about it in terms of your roster construction and what you're doing there. But I don't mind like, so usually we would say don't play two running backs in the same game. If you think this game hits the under, 
I mean, Sanders and, and Pacheco seem like great plays. Uh, I think that you can play both of them. I think I'm going to come in underweight, but I like your captain take. I think it's fine for what he's doing in captain if this game hits the under uh, or you're doing a Philly onslaught and you're saying, okay, they get there, two touchdowns on the ground again from Sanders, and he's essential. But I think I'm going to be underweight on Miles. Really? I'm going to be overweight. This is going to be interesting because last week it was flipped and you were right. So we'll see what happens here. But yeah, it's more of a captain take. Like, And the nice thing about it is if you're playing 150 or 20 lineups, like if we project somewhere around 6 7%, if you just have 10% Miles Sanders captain, like you don't have to go crazy with him to get over the field and have some good leverage there. So I like Miles Sanders captain. And, and the reason is too, like, you know, when he has those massive games, he's taking away from uh, AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Those guys are going to be higher rostered. So it's more of a leverage play in this spot. We did take an over on his rushing yards in the DFS pass for our props because of the matchup. You can read more about that there. I just think it's going to be a big day for the Eagles rushing attack. All right, let's finish talking about Philly defense and Jake Elliott, um, who was once rhymed on the Boom Boom Kicker with belly butt, just for those <laughs> scoring at home. Um, Philly defense, so good. I'm seeing 15-ish percent, and it makes sense with the total. It makes sense with Patrick Mahomes. I just do think that they are better than what their salary suggests, knowing that they have a great pass rush. Do you think that the public, though, will look at what they did with the 49ers, what they've done with Hassan Reddick, and they they will be rostered more than they should be. I mean, I think in general, defenses always are in showdown, especially like people love the, I'm going to get contrarian to play the, the defense and captain. I will have zero of that. Uh, the famous quote, if it beats me, it beats me. But it just happens so infrequently. I, I do think there is a narrative though out there. Like you could talk yourself into it, right? Eagles have been dominant. Pat Mahomes is banged up. People are talking about the Chiefs' offensive line a bunch this week. We know the pass rush is really good. So I could see that number getting inflated a little bit. Um, and if that is the case, I would love to come in under the field on that. Jake Elliott might end up around 20%. Count me under. And there's only been one game that he's kicked more than two field goals this year. So like I said earlier with Butker, if you get three field goals from Butker, I think he's in a good spot. I'm just going to bet against that with Elliott. We took the under on his kicking points. So um, yeah, no thanks, buddy. All right, comes down to this. Give me your unbiased Vegas pick, and then give me your biased pick. So, truthfully, I like the under in the game. That's kind of my preferred way to play this. I do think the Eagles win the game, though. So, give me the Eagles minus one and a half. I do. I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean into the the line play. I think that's where it comes down. I do think the Eagles win this game. I think if I was getting a little bit more spicy, I think that they could win this game by at least a touchdown. And if you wanted to say Eagles minus six and a half, I'm totally fine with that. Kyle. Wow. <laughs> I mean, dude, my heart rate just skipped a beat. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot to like. So, um, do you know what that, what odds that pays out, by the way? Uh, trillions. No, I don't know. I don't know. I was looking huh. at it we should look that up in a parlay. Um, all right. Let's talk about our favorite props. Prop it like it's hot. All right, we're going to kind of rapid fire through our favorite bets, the ones that we are actually counting against our record are in the DFS pass. We have those. But Bets and I are going to fire off some ones that we like pretty quickly that you can add um, that we think are fun and maybe go through some other fun ones as well before we get to our giant parlay that, you know, last year it almost hit. And that's all that people remember, right? 
<laughs> I'll just remember we were one leg away from a big payday, and that's why parlays are terrible to bet. <laughs> it's uh, it's not the best, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but it's fun to ride together, right? Like when I posted this in our oh, channel, it's a, it's a community thing, yeah. Yeah, this is about building community and losing money together. Instead of like donating to charities, this is what we're doing. Uh, it is fun. Bets and I will usually post in some of our Slack channels. Uh, hey, here's what we're going to talk about on the podcast. And w- before we went on, on the show, I posted and I said, hey, here's the part that we're going to talk about on the podcast. Mike, immediately, without even looking, just goes, I'm in. Like, just, just we got to ride together. So um, I'm going to go first. At quarterback, I like Patrick Mahomes over 25 completions. You can get this in Caesars or MGM. And another one I kind of like is Patrick Mahomes under four and a half rush attempts. It's creeped up on DraftKings. It's at minus 160. But you can find it someplace as much as minus 135 or minus 145. Uh, four and a half is a lot when you look at a seasonal average and what he has to do. The yardage, I'll stay away from that. But, you know, four or fewer uh, rush attempts I like. Interesting. I'll stick with Mahomes. This is one of my favorite bets. The head-to-head matchup for Mahomes versus Hurts from a passing touchdown standpoint. So Mahomes, they can't tie. Mahomes has to win. It's minus a half. So basically, if Mahomes throws two or three and Hurts throws one or two in those scenarios, Mahomes would win the bet. Think about it. I don't think it's crazy that Jalen Hurts scores more fantasy points or more touchdowns, but his touchdowns often come with his legs. We see that you know rugby scrum at the one-yard line. Mahomes, no one else has thrown more touchdown passes when you think about inside the 20 and 10 yard line. This Chiefs offense just isn't really this like explosive down the field. So when they get in close, they're throwing the football. So minus 110 on points bet. That was like minus 125 on DK. Let's galaxy brain together. This is one that you talked me into, but it's the longest fourth down conversion over two and a half yards on DK. I mean, that is, you had to really search for this thing to find it. And good odds too. Minus 105. Um, yeah, the rationale here is this is the biggest game of the season. When the chips are down, these two teams are smart and aggressive, and they will go for it. So we're just saying that there's going to be a fourth and three, and one of these teams converts it. For reference, the yes for these two teams to convert a fourth down for either the Eagles or the Chiefs is like minus 300 or something. And the total number of fourth downs was like minus 170, minus 175, depending on what book you're looking at, over one and a half. So Vegas thinks there's going to be at least two fourth down conversions. Let's just hope it's for fourth and three and the game's close. That's immediately what I did when you showed this to me. I go, okay, let me see what Vegas is saying about their total number. It's clearly leaning towards that. So, yeah, you're also asking yourself, like, there's going to be a point in the game where two teams that are pretty smart are willing to go for it on more than fourth and, you know, two. Like, it's not crazy for Nick Sirianni to say, hey, it's, you know, fourth and six. We're on the plus side of the field. Let's do it. So, I like that one a lot. And then we also have in here... First team to call a timeout, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, dude, we talk about like a, how often props hit. The Chiefs this year have called a timeout before their opponent 15 of 19 games. That is insane. 79% of the time this has hit. And, you know, people will say like Andy Reid, clock management, yada, yada, yada. I'm not sure how much truth there is to that, but the numbers say that this happens more often than not. So at minus 125, yeah, sign me up for the Chiefs to call the first timeout. Another one we have on here, which I I don't feel as strong as you, but I'll let you go for it, is who will catch a pass first, Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> or Miles Sanders? Yeah, I mean, you just look at Miles Sanders' game logs, right? I mean, he has plenty of goose eggs in his receiving counts as far as how many times he's caught a football. 
And, you know, we talked about the running back splits, but if they do get behind, Kenneth Gainwell likely is going to be in there. I don't think it's very likely, but just think about how often the Chiefs throw versus how often the Eagles throw. I think it's more likely we see Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco in the receiving game before Miles Sanders. So at minus 130 on DK, I like that one. Let's talk about my two favorite receivers in this game, Quez Watkins and your boy, Justin Watson. Um, one of the more fun wagers that you can do is players to hit a certain yardage first. So I took Quez Watkins first to 20 receiving yards uh, at plus 3,000. And you like Justin Watson <laughs> race to 40 yards at plus 5,000. Uh, the laugh as you read it says everything about this bet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, plus 5,000 odds, is it's just a fun little sprinkle. But when I look at the Chiefs wide receivers, like, everyone's banged up. You know, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore running these little gadget routes. If it if in the first quarter, Justin Watson sees one or two catches down the field, I mean, his dot is almost 21 yards. His average catch is 21 yards this season. So if he just has the one big play, this could hit. I just thought the odds were crazy. They're the same odds as Noah Gray for reference. So I thought it was one of those good value bets that is guaranteed to lose no that's where that's where i'm at with quez watkins he's in the same exact area <laughs> and they're basically the same kind of player where they're getting the snaps and nobody cares to target them um watkins career uh yards per reception is over 15 uh so you can get over nine and a half yards on his first reception if you want to get that at minus 110 you can also get over 12 and a half receiving yards so my point is if you're gonna bet one might as well bet the other just go down with the ship, huh? Uh, Quez Watkins is one of the players I will gladly go down. And then I'll ask myself, <laughs> who is that again uh, next year? Um, I mentioned this earlier, but Noah Gray, anytime touchdown, he's somebody that's not priced enough considering how much he's on the field, which is like 65% plus on the field. He's also somebody that if you go through and look at how involved he in, he is like he's averaging almost two receptions a game. So it's not like this guy is like maybe he'll be – uh, last year was Mitchell Wilcox was like the third string tight end. I was like, maybe he'll be the one to catch a touchdown. <laughs> uh, he wasn't spoiler, but Noah Gray at plus eight fifty anytime touchdown. I think it's I think it should be more like plus five hundred. Yeah, for sure. And if you talk yourself into the narrative that these Chiefs wide receivers are injured and they want to account for an Eagles pass rush by playing more two tight end sets, I think it makes sense. All right, give me your final one with uh, your boy Josh Sweat, who you're definitely not going to lose money on. My MVP. Um, yes, this is one that I think is a fun long shot. It's plus 950 on Fandle. Josh Sweat to record the first sack in the game. Um, and the rationale is all the headlines go to Hassan Reddick, who's great. But I could see Andy Reid game planning for that, leaving Josh Sweat one-on-one -on -one with either of these two tackles. Both of their tackles for the Chiefs are bottom four in the league in pressures allowed this season. It's a fun long shot. It probably won't hit, but if it does, we're getting rich. All right, let's let's talk about our big parlay. And if we're going to talk about a big parlay, we got to get nasty. we got to get nasty here. We okay? got to. So this is you know we could go a lot bigger, but we decided we wanted to cap it at around five or six picks uh, that you can do a single game parlay. You can do this on DraftKings right now. This is sitting at plus five seventy five. If you use the odds boost, you can get well over seven hundred on this thing. So I'll read it off. And we can have this posted somewhere, especially in our Discord. And then we'll give the rationale really quickly of like why we're doing this, why we think it's okay. Um, so I we took the under on Patrick Mahomes passing yards. That's at 349.5. That's basically as, as high as you can get. Take the under. 
Under on MVS, we gave our reasons of why we're not big on MVS under 59.5. We took the under at 56.5 on the total. So under what the total is already. We already leaned that way. We took the over on Miles Sanders, which is actually in our bets, at 54.5. And And then we like the game to be close. So we put Philly plus 3.5. So we please, you know, stay within a field goal. And then we also said Chiefs plus 10.5. So Chiefs, please, you know, it's okay if you lose this game, but uh, not by more than 10. Yeah, you pretty much hit it. And what we're saying with the Mahomes stuff too, like the under on that line is very different than the under on his actual line. It's just that this Eagles defense hasn't really allowed a ceiling game from any quarterback they face. Granted, they haven't faced Patrick Mahomes, but 350 is a massive line for any quarterback to get there. And if the Eagles have success, which is where this correlates with Miles Sanders controlling the clock and running for over 55 yards, the play volume might be uh, you know, reduced and all that sort of thing. And again, we like the under. And um, sign me up for fading MBS every week. I mean, dude, that was... That wasn't as nasty. I feel like last year we went way over the top too, we, we, like, which is why we lost. <laughs> okay, okay, we're we're uh, we're trying to help the people out and make some money. But yeah, uh, our company's ends. So if you want to ride with fans, footballers, you can do it. Let's finish off with some quick mailbag questions. Mailbag. All right, this one's from Discord. What is your go-to Super Bowl food? Don't say pizza. That is boring. I put a note in here. <laughs> the first thing I wrote was pizza. Because pizza is, is is everything. I love a good pizza, and I love dipping my pizza in ranch. Oh, good call. What what kind? Plain cheese, pepperoni. What are we going? Uh, I, I like a supreme. G- give Ooh. it to me. <laughs> I love that about you. Uh, for me, my answer here is chili. I love a good chili on Super Bowl Sunday. You let it simmer in the crock pot all day. Game kicks off. You're ready to go. Yeah, uh, my my parents usually have a big spread. Uh, I'm going to be watching at uh jason's house which i was last year too jason will be at the game but uh we'll be with their whole family and yeah i'm sure that they're gonna have literally every food known to man and my kids are uh, i told truman about it. i said hey we're going to a super bowl party and the first thing out of his mouth he goes andy mike and jason on the podcast <laughs> talked about it i was like yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it is love that uh next question do you approach contest selection differently for showdown than you do the classic format Yeah, we hit on this a little bit. I just think there's so much variance. And if you listen to kind of our analysis about a lot of these players, it's we don't really know what's going to happen. We think we know, but we don't really know. And there's so much chaos. You want to embrace that. So I like to play a lot of the single entry stuff. I'll play a lot of the 20 max. For me, I am not playing cash games. Speaking of 20 max, next question. For 20 max, are you building 20 lineups around the same game script or splitting them up to cover a few different? What I do is I just say in, in showdown, Pick two captains. I'll build 10 lineups with each. And yeah, you're going to have to have different game flows. You're not going to be able to cover all your bases with with all of them. You really can't. So I'm not saying I'm using Jalen Hurts captains and Eagles onslaught. Like that's almost too narrow for me where, you know, if you're doing a 150, then you can get really narrow and say, okay, I'm going to have 40 lineups that are Jalen Hurts captains. And 10 of those, I'm going to have Jalen Hurts captain, but the Chiefs, you know, uh, uh, get up by a ton and Jalen Hurts is coming back. Like you can do it that way in a 150, but in 20 max, pick two captains and run with it. Yeah, I also think there's this kind of miss um, you know, misinformation or you kind of have this wrong idea about being a um, an MME player when you're doing 20 max or 150. It's not that you can't have player takes and have what you think is right on the field cuz you still want to take a stand somewhere. If you're just saying like I'm playing 
20 lineups. One of them's going to be Devonta Smith. One's going to be Pacheco. One's going to be Hurts. You know, you're going to have to eventually kind of, you can't cover your bases, like you said. So I do think you still got to take a stand. For me, I'd be comfortable expanding it to maybe three or four captain choices, but that's just a little bit of a difference uh, between Kyle and I. Yeah, and that's the only reason when I had success with MVS was I'm going to be overweight the field, and when I'm doing a 20 max, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I think MVS was in our projections like 10%, and so I said I'm going to be 25% on MVS, which is probably way too strong, but that's just how I felt, and it just happened to turn out well. So just think of those things, like who's the player I like, Check out our roster percentage report and say, as I'm building lineups, I'm going to be a little overweight or you know a little underweight. It's what I said about Miles Sanders for myself. Um, next one, if you had $100 to spend on the slate, how would you distribute it? Would you do, for instance, 60% in 20 max, 15% in 3 max, 15% in single entry, and 10% in the screw it, let's win the milli? Um, I don't mind that at all. Like uh, the, the actual distribution is totally fine. I feel like you would probably do a little bit more single entry based on how this person's doing it. But if you're one of those people that says like, Hey, I'm ready to, this, this is my last slate I'm doing. Go for it. Yeah, for sure. And it's the Super Bowl. If you want to have fun and just go for the Millie, like do it, you know, it's, it's the Super Bowl. So that's not what I'll be doing, but if that's your philosophy, I don't hate it. I'll just be more on the single entry, smaller field type stuff. Last question from Baba Ganoush on discord. So fun to say that. Uh, is it worth doing any single entry tournaments with how much overlap there will be on a single game? So I guess the bigger question from this is like, is there any edge from this? Because this is usually your, your, where you play. Yeah, I think personally, I think there's more of an edge in single entry because you have to take more of a stand. You only get one shot. And so your lineup has to say, this is what I think the game is going to go. Whereas when you're playing a lot against a lot of other people in 20 max or 150, everyone has so many options that they can go through that it's tough for you to kind of create that leverage. So what I like to do in single entry is try to find those lower rostered captains for me on this slate. I like Miles Sanders and you know, you don't have to build a crazy lineup. You just have to kind of get some leverage in certain spots. So I think those single entry ones, finding the lower rostered captain is the way to go. If you want to play with us on Super Bowl weekend, you can go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings league, fantasy footballers, DFS, Borg plus bets. We will have some, some fun Super Bowl contests that you can get in. Some of them that are smaller, you can battle bets. Or some bigger ones, uh, some bigger payouts because it's the end of the year. But if you want to go to BallersDFS.com, you can play with us. Bets, any final words as we close out to Eagles fans? Uh, man, I I hope things go well. <laughs> That's my <laughs> final words to Eagles fans. But to all of our loyal listeners this year, it has been so, like super fun. This year has been awesome. I've loved it. And we'll miss you guys. We'll be back in about six weeks. Enjoy the time off. We'll see you for the spring. Go Eagles. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.